Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your spirit and your word. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you illuminate your word to your people. I thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I thank you that your word is the final authority, Lord. The final authority above experiences is your word. And I thank you for your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder if you could turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, just in the season of Thanksgiving. I thought I would give a quick little message on Thanksgiving, and then we have an announcement to make. Amen? Wonderful. So, I'm just going to launch right up into it. Often on Thanksgiving, we like to preach on Thanksgiving, but let me just say, I'm not going to teach on the, just the importance of saying thank you. That is what you start telling your two-year-old, and you hope by the time they're 10, they get it. So I think as an adult, as Christians, we know it's good to say thank you when people do stuff for you. Yes? I want to grab hold of sometimes of this millennial generation and say, say thank you. Just say thank you. And uh, just for the people that have come before us and gone before us. But um, I'm going to speak about more. What do you do? I'm going to lay a few principles out. Then we're going to go to the book of Joshua. And so you're going to have to track with me. Uh, but what do we do? How do we express thanksgiving when there's nothing to yet give thanks for? How do you say thank you for something that's coming? And how do you have thanksgiving in your heart when your situation doesn't necessarily feel like you want to give thanks? Yeah, it's kind of, kind of a big deal. So 1 Thessalonians 5 says this. Let's go to verse 16. It says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Friends, the will of God for you in your life. Many people say to me, what's the will of God for my life? Especially young people, what's the will of God for my life? And we've whittled down, we've taken this beautiful log, and we've whittled down to this tiny little toothpick to try, what is the will of God for me? Am I supposed to be a doctor? Or am I supposed to be this? Or am I? And we whittled the will of God down to a personal, but the will of God is expansive. He sees the beginning of the end, and you fit as a part of His plan. He doesn't bow His plan to you. Amen? Patsy mentioned a little bit of that last week. God is good. When we feel good, when our life is good, whether it's not, His eternal greatness, His goodness doesn't shift or change. And the will of God for you is the same. So when people say, what's the will of God for me? I say, and this might challenge some of you, raise the dead, heal the sick, cast out demons, preach the gospel to the poor. They say, yeah, but what I mean is, should I be a doctor? Or If you want to be a doctor, great, be a doctor and raise the dead and pray, pray for the sick and preach the gospel and, you know, well, what about, how do I do that? Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks. For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. The will of God for you is rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks. That word in is very important. It doesn't say give thanks for everything. Big difference. But in everything you can give thanks. We don't give thanks to God for tragedy, but we can thank Him for who He is in the midst of tragedy. It's a whole different, whole different way to think, and that's the mind of Christ that teaches you how to think like that. In the midst of everything, give thanks. I wrote you, actually, let me first go over this. Leviticus 7. Some of you know me, I always like to go, what is the first time this is mentioned in the Bible? First time you see the word thanks or thanksgiving in the Bible was a thanksgiving offering. It was a physical sacrifice and peace offering to the Lord. 
Very important for those of you who are scholars, biblical scholars, very important to understand the law of first mention. First time thanks is mentioned, it was a peace offering unto the Lord. Peace offering, prophetically meaning the offering that Christ would bring, his body, his life, his sinlessness, his perfection, so that we can now approach God because of the once-for-all sacrifice, the gospel. Amen? So that we can now approach, so that we can walk up to Christ boldly and have his righteousness. It made peace between God and man. Okay, that's what a peace offering is. The first time that you see thanks or thanksgiving in the Bible, it has to do with the peace of God that surpasses understanding. Thanksgiving is tied to peace. So why, it's very interesting, why does God say in everything give thanks? It's actually his kindness to you. It's not God trying to make you into a good Christian. It's God trying to teach you that when you give thanks, I know what happens. When you give thanks, the peace that surpasses the understanding, no matter what circumstance you're in, is released. Because the peace of God is tied to the ability on the practice of giving thanks. It actually has to come out of your mouth. The peace of God is tied to that. Absolutely is. And the peace of God is exceptionally powerful. It's not just a feeling. The peace of God has the ability to change a situation. Hello? Now I'm going fast. I wrote you, our peace is tied to our practice in thanksgiving. When it says in everything give thanks, he is the prince of peace. He knows that better than you. When you give thanks, that ability is released in the spirit. See, in the kingdom and the world, friends, they're totally different. In the world, if you eat, you get full. When you're hungry, you eat, so you get full. In the kingdom, if you eat, you get hungrier. That's the way the kingdom works. The more you feed yourself in the Spirit, the hungrier you get for the Spirit. In the world, I wrote here, when you use something, it's used up. If you have money, you use it. Now I don't have it anymore. In the kingdom, and I wrote here, it becomes used up and increase comes through hoarding or saving. Yes? It's good to save your money. Please do that, young people. Save your money. But in the kingdom, when you use something, it actually produces increase. Because the kingdom and the world are different. In the kingdom, when you use something in the kingdom, it produces increase. Increase comes with use, not with no use. Jesus said, I'll give more to those who are faithful. So the more you step out, the more you do this, the more, you, the more action, the more is given. It's different between the world and the kingdom. In the world, when you say thank you, it's from something that was already done or given to you, so you say thank you. It's a good thing to do. In the kingdom, you say thank you before that thing ever comes to you. That's the way the kingdom operates. You say thank you before it comes to pass. You thank God in faith. You thank him because true thanksgiving is tied to his person, not his actions. See, friends, the power of thanksgiving, I don't think we understand. And I know I'm throwing biblical concepts at you here. I'm enjoying it, so that's wonderful. <laughs> The Bible says in Psalm 107, give thanks to the Lord. Oh, that the, men of, that the children of the earth would give thanks to God for his goodness. For his goodness. True thanksgiving is giving thanks to him for his person and giving thanks to him for the things that he said he will do that he hasn't yet done. Why? It's not just name it and claim it faith. It's showing him that you trust him that you believe that he is who he says he is, not what the world and other people say who he is. It's showing him trust. I believe you 
not them. So I will thank you in this middle of this situation. I will give you thanks for who you are and what you say you will do, and that is tied to your peace, and the peace of God enters that situation which surpasses my understanding and shifts things. And such is the power of what it means to get say, thank you. True. We have a story in the Bible called the Ten Lepers. The only reason that story is there is because one man came back to say thank you. It's amazing. So, I've thrown some things at you. Could you go to Joshua 3? With those wonderful biblical concepts. Let's go to Joshua chapter 3. Saying thank you, very important. Very important. Giving thanks to the Lord for He is good. For His love endures forever. Friends, it's tied to His person. It's like worship. Dwayne said something about worship. He said you cannot really worship God beyond what you know about Him. In terms of to worship God in truth, there has to be an established relationship. I've seen many people in worship, God, you're so good. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. You're so good to me. And I'm thinking that guy or that lady has no concept of the goodness of God. If they did, they probably wouldn't be standing. That's to the degree of your revelation. Giving thanks is the same. When you're in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of trial, some of you here are. When there's an impossible situation before you, there's an ability to give thanks for who he is. And for what he has said, what he will do, not what you think should or should not happen, what he has said he will do. And that brings shift and it brings change. Amen? Because it's showing you, God, I trust you. God, I trust you. God, I trust you. I trust you. Very few people really trust the Lord. I'll tell you a story. I don't know why I'm telling this story. We went into the Sudan. Don't go there. <laughs> I've asked the Lord, don't take me back to that place. I was, it was rough. Unless the Lord asked you to go, don't go. We went to the Sudan. It was kind of crazy. You know, we were taking the gospel in there. We went over the border. And there's no, there's nothing left. As we cross the border from Kenya, there's nothing. No dogs, cats, cattle, nothing. People are naked. There's nothing. We went in there and we pulled over on the side of the road. And I remember being terrified that night because you could hear gunshots. It was the war going on. So we, you know, we're there. We switched the lights off, hope that, because there's no electricity. So you pull off, you're sleeping there. We took ladies with us for the first time on that trip. We had never taken them with before. And one of them was from our life group, 16-year-old girl, beautiful-looking girl. And uh, so we have these ladies with us. And, you know, I'm trying to fall asleep. You kind of circle the wagons, literally circle the cars. And I'm trying to sleep. And I said, Lord, one man can come through here with a gun. No one is armed. One man comes through this camp. There's nothing we can do, you know. And I, the Lord, I, and then you start to think the terrible things that could happen with if the rebels came through. And you could hear them all, over the, all around us. You can hear them. You know, it's something here is, sounds close, but it's probably quite far away. And anyway, so we could hear them. And, and uh, so the Lord asked me a question in my spirit. Do you trust me? And I said, yeah, Lord, no, I trust you. And he's like, no, you don't. Otherwise, you'd be asleep. And I thought, huh, that's probably true. And that night, I went through... I don't know what, how to explain it, but depths of trusting the Lord. 
you know, you work it through in your heart for like an hour. And you say, all right. Sorry. You say, all right, Lord, I trust you. I can't do anything. I feel helpless. And then you, but what about this? Do you trust me? Do you trust me? Like over and over and over. I tell you, there was a married couple that had just been married the day before we left on that trip. And they didn't sleep a wink that night. They held each other's hands and prayed through the night because of the fear. You know, you can hear things. And it's an amazing trip. And anyway, but to trust the Lord, it, when it's tested, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Do you trust me? Very few people trust the Lord like that. And I'm still growing and learning in that. But I encourage you, your ability to give thanks represents to the Lord, does this person trust me? Do they trust me in the midst of trial? Can you say, Lord, thank you? It was in the midst of whipping and jailing that Paul and Silas thanked the Lord and the earthquake broke out and things began to... Because they thanked the Lord, they worshipped. Anyway, we're in Joshua 3, right? I want to show you something that the Lord dropped in my heart. Just a very powerful truth that he dropped in my heart and I, I hope that it comes across uh, to you today because if you can see this with spiritual insight, I really believe it will shift and change some things. Give you a context here. Joshua chapter 3. Who many, how many of you remember the beginning of the year? We started the year speaking about Joshua. Yeah? We said, Lord, this is a year for Joshua. This is a year of Joshua. We didn't know what that meant. I don't know if I'd say it again, knowing what's happened this year. We said, Lord, this is a year for us to go forward. The Lord said, this is a Joshua year. And much has happened since then, which I'll go over in a minute. Us being kicked out of the school, then the next thing, then the next thing as a church. But that's what it looks like to pioneer, and that's what it looks like to go forward. So I said, Lord, this is Joshua year. I just kept carrying on to that word. And, but you see here in Joshua 3, the second generation, the first generation all died in the desert because they came to the Jordan and they couldn't trust God. So it says, so they turned and went back. And he said, tell the people to turn around and to go back facing the Red Sea. Why? Why is it so important? They couldn't trust God for what he said he would do, so they had to turn around and face something that he had done. And friends, I don't want to live that way, and neither do you. I don't want to be left with the stories of the great men and women of God who have seen God's power, but I don't go in myself. I mean, who wants that? Nobody wants that. I grew up with a great man of God and a great woman of God, my mother and father. And I see what God does with them, and it's awesome. And because of that, I've got an inheritance. Things came easier for me, but I'm saying, God, that, let's go forward. Let's keep going. And I know that's my dad's will as well. Amen? So that's the context. The second generation, I've t done much teaching on it. Second generation come to this place now in the Jordan. This, they also send out spies, just like Moses. The spies bring back a different report. We've, we've taught on it, I think, twice this year. A whole series in January and another series when I had to reconvince people, God is with us. This is a Joshua generation when we decided to stay here instead of go back to the school. So now they come to the Jordan, and now we're going to read. And it says this, in Joshua, Joshua 3, verses 1, in the New King James. If you have another version, that's... I can't forgive. So Joshua rose up in the morning and they set out from Acacia Grove. So they set out, friends. There's a journey here. Very important. That's helpful. 
And they came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and they lodged there before they crossed over. Why is that important? They, they stayed in the place, they came right to the edge of it, and they stayed in the place looking at this impossible. The Jordan was in flood. So then Jordan's not a little trickle river. For those of you who have been to Israel, it's not this little, you know, it's a river. It's impossible to cross. And he says this, so verse 2, So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests and the Levites bearing it, that's the responsibility of leadership, to carry the presence of the Lord. More than preaching, more than anything, to carry the presence of the Lord. People will follow and will get from you what you carry, not what you say. Every child knows that. My mother used to have this joke when she used to like, you know, do, you know what it's like as a parent. You say, don't do this. It's not a bad thing, but you tell them not to do it because they're not ready for it. But then when they're not there, you do it, you know? Not a bad thing. Just, and so we used to have this joke. My mother used to say, do, don't do what I do. Do what I tell you. Because we wanted, to, we wanted to drive and we wanted to do the stuff she did, you know. But that's leadership. It doesn't work like that. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. If you're going to chase anything in the kingdom, let it be the presence of the Lord. Not a man, not a person, not a, not a movement, not a, but the presence of Almighty God. Go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. That's a pioneer. You know how you know if you're a pioneer? When you get somewhere, no one else has been there. Which means when you arrive at your destination, no one's there to thank you and congratulate you. That's welcome. That's a pioneer. You finally get where God says, go there, and you get there's no one there. There's no welcoming party. You, you're it. You know, as a pioneer, you're it. You know, I think of, I'm not trying to think of George and Patsy and the four, my mom and dad and the couples that planted this church, Jim and, uh, Jim and Bonnie. You know, you're it. Who's the children's ministry? You're the children's ministry. Who's the preacher? You're the preacher. Dwayne was on deaconship like hardly at all 10 years ago and my dad left he said Dwayne you're leading the service you're preaching you're doing everything this is a pioneering work yeah it's a pioneering work yet there shall be a space between you and it about 2,000 do not come near it for you have not passed this way before verse 5 and Joshua said to the people sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you I don't know, none of this is in my notes. It's just as I read the scriptures in my heart. Friends, you will be bold. You will be able to be bold about tomorrow. If you, what does sanctify mean? To set yourself apart. You will be able to be bold about tomorrow, about what's to come if you set yourself apart today. That's the nature of the kingdom. Set yourself apart today and you will be bold tomorrow. No matter what circumstance you're in, give thanks. There's a setting apart says, yeah, so they took up the ark. And then Joshua, sorry, verse 6, Joshua spoke to the priests saying, take up the ark of the covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up the ark of the covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, this day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of Israel. Go to verse 8. You shall command, very important, this is the moment. You shall command the priests who bear the ark of the covenant, the leaders who carry the presence of the Lord. You shall command the priests to bear the ark of the covenant saying, 
When you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. When you come and you face, right standing before me is the impossibility. This is the impossible situation you're in. Whether it's drug addiction, abuse, financial trouble, career, children, you're facing an impossible situation. He said, when you come to stand in an impossible situation, stand in it. Hello? Because the former generation said, we can't do that. We don't want to get our feet wet, so to speak, so we're going to go the other way. He said, if you want to overcome this impossible situation, take the presence of the Lord and go and stand in the midst of the impossible situation. Very, very important thing to go and stand. Ephesians 6 says, once you have done all that you can do, stand. Just stand and trust the Lord. Stand in that situation. Lord, I give you thanks. Lord, I worship you. Lord, I don't understand this. But as I give you thanks, peace is released. Lord, I give you thanks. Lord, I give you thanks. You stand in it. And you stand in it. And you stand in it. Because you're pioneering something. But then... I tell you, I love the Bible. I'll tell you why I love the Bible. You know the Bible doesn't waste wor words, right? There's this incredible verse here. Then Joshua tells the people a whole bunch of things, and it's wonderful. Then go down to verse 13, and he says this, And it shall come to pass, as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the presence of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, so there's a correct view of God. Yes? As soon as the, the soles of the feet, feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan, then the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off. So he's saying as soon as the feet of the priests rest in the waters, that moment, not before, that's the miracle moment. That's when the waters and they were heaped up in the city of Adam. As I read that this week, you know that word rest? As I read that word, it pierced my very soul. And I said, Lord, and I actually started to weep like I'm trying not to now. I said, Lord, what are you doing? He said, that's the key. That's the key. That's the key. You know, the Bible is an amazing thing. Before, it says, stand. Stand in the water. Here's the word rest. So I obviously did research. That word rest is the supernatural rest of God. It's called Nuach. I've preached on it before. And there's something that transpires from standing in it to resting in it. It's the same word that is used that I will give you rest. It's supernatural peace. It's actually this. The word, when he says stand in the Jordan, the word is this. Um, a mud, to stand fast, to endure. So you're just enduring, Lord, I'm here. Ah, oh, I don't, I'm here. I watched my dad and mom do that in the ministry in Johannesburg, partly because of my sister and I's detours in life. We'll say that. I was just trying to help them grow in spiritual stature. <laughs> it's not true. It's not true. That was the byproduct, but that's not why. But to just maintain, you just, I'm enduring. Who feels like that sometimes? You just stand, Lord, I don't know what to do. I'm just, uh, uh. You feel like you're getting beaten, right? And you just endure. That's commendable. Once you've done all things, stand. But then he says, but when the feet of the priests rest, the word there is nuach, means to have peace, 
to settle down, to be quieted in your spirit and to trust. To trust. It says when you can stand in the middle of your impossible situation and on your inside you say, Lord, I trust you. I have peace in the river. I'm standing in the impossible situation, but inside. You know, the very next time the Bible uses that word, I'll show you. It's all the way at the end of Joshua. I think it's Joshua 21. Please, Lord, let it be. Joshua 21, I think, verse 43. Go to Joshua 21, 43. You should have put it in my notes. That would have been a good idea. So the Lord gave to Israel all the land of which he had sworn to give to their fathers, and they took possession of it and dwelt in it. Verse 44. Then the Lord gave them rest all around according to all that he had sworn to their fathers. What's the point? When you face an impossible situation, we are called to stand. But it's when you stand in that situation, spiritually, you stand in that situation and you come to a place of rest in your heart. The it shall come to pass is before you. You are resting about what's yet not yet happened. You are thanking God for what's not yet happened. You are positioning yourself. Lord, this hasn't happened. This verse 13, it said, it shall come to pass. That rest is, it's still going to happen, but I'm at rest because I trust him. When you can do that, one day there will be another rest, which is, this has come to pass. This has happened. Now the practical, everything has shifted. This has taken place. It's the two times the word is used in the book of Joshua. Rest looking forward and rest now looking backwards. Going, look what the Lord has done. And telling the next generation. Yes? That's why I keep going on about it's so important to know what God is like for you. Not what I say, for you. And to know how he sees you. When you know how he sees you, you can stand. And then you can learn to not only stand, but rest in that impossible situation. You know the Bible says that they stood firm on dry ground. Who of you have ever walked into a river or a lake? Okay, put your hand up. Who of you ever felt what's, you know, you're walking and it's like, like algae and then, and then nastiness and then more thicker nastiness and then soft and you like sink in, right? All the supernatural act of God sucked all the moisture out of that. There was nothing shifty left. You could build a house on it. He sucked everything out of it and they stood firm, the Bible says, on dry ground in the midst of what was five minutes ago a river. I think consider that. Just consider that. That's what happened. But they first had to come to rest inside the impossible situation and stand there and go, Lord, I thank you. I trust you. The kingdom is to give thanks before it comes to pass. So I thank you for what I see. I cannot get there, but I thank you. The power of thanksgiving. Now, why do I say this? Well, because it's good to know. No, that's not true. There's what well, it is. <laughs> it is. But friends, I, 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 firstly, a little ministry moment. Don't wait for the end of the message. 
If you're in a situation like that, let's actually do that now. I'm going to go another 10 minutes. If you get done before me, you're welcome to leave. We will take your name though. I'm just kidding. <laughs> if you're in a situation that is impossible, and you're saying, Lord, I feel like he's talking to me, doesn't mean everyone, but if you're, if you're facing something, you're not sure, I wonder if you can be so bold as to stand up, whoever you are. Wonderful. Wonderful. You're facing it. Wonderful. Mercy of the Lord just dropped in on me. (laughs) Come on, Lord. Got to pray now. Sure, presence of the Lord. I wonder if you could just open your arms for a moment. I'm not going to do ministry over you. I'm going to ask you to ask the Lord. Show me how. Show me how to find rest. There's a presence of the Lord all over this lady over here. That's okay. Heavenly Father, for those that face a mighty rushing river, Lord, we've stood and we will continue to stand. But Lord, may our feet find rest in that thing. May we trust you. May we trust you. Father, in Jesus' name, I just begin to speak to him. Say, Lord, let me trust you. Help me trust you. Thank you, Lord. I don't want to rush this. So open your heart to the Lord for a second. Can I pray for you? Father, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Release. Father, I thank you that in Jesus' name, we don't give up. We don't stand in it because we think, well, it's won. You have won the victory. You have won the victory. And in Jesus' name, I speak to every single one of these situations as a son of yours. And I say in Jesus' name, situation, move, shift. Now, in Jesus' name. Children that are running, come back to the Lord. Financial situations, move and shift in Jesus' name. But Lord, we trust you. We trust you. We trust you. All right. Amen. Take a seat.